This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel. WABC. House Republicans long threatened to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. That promise is now closer to reality. The House has impeached presidents and federal judges, but not a cabinet secretary in 148 years. The Homeland Security Secretary has said, well, I'm just going to ignore these laws and do what I think. I'm going to take my agenda for immigration. But in my heart of hearts, if this was a Republican, I'd be doing the same thing. Some Democrats are furious. They believe impeachment of Mayorkas is a proxy for impeaching President Biden. You're saying we're going to do it no matter what. Let me tell you what a dangerous slope this is when the pendulum swings. When Democrats have the votes and we go back and forth and we impeach people just because we can. There are two articles of impeachment, one for not enforcing the law, the other for lying to Congress, insisting that the border was secure. This is not political theater. But what is happening today is we are attempting to rein in a rogue cabinet secretary. A cabinet secretary that has failed to enforce the law. Democrats say Republicans are weaponizing impeachment before the election. History will judge what Republicans are doing here today, and it won't be favorably. Some Republicans accuse Democrats of initiating the impeachment wars. It's about the math. The GOP can only lose two votes and still prevail, but Fox is told there are two to three Republicans who are skeptical about impeachment. Chair votes aye. Chairman Green votes aye. The clerk will report the tally. On that vote, Mr. Chairman Green, it was 18 ayes and 15 noes. The ayes have it, and the motion is agreed to. Major win for police reform advocates. The city council overrides the mayor's veto of a police transparency bill by a vote of 42 to 9. Now police will be required to document the age, race, and gender of every person they stop, even for non-criminal encounters. Urging the council to uphold the veto today and to spend some time of correcting uh, the area of the bill, the only area of the bill that I have a disagreement on, and that is the level one stops. We want to continue the success, driving down crime in a real, real way and improving public safety in, in the city. Nothing should get in the way of this city being safe. I cannot say that enough. The fundamental fact, Laura, these guys have got to wake up to is that America, thanks to the decisions that have been made over 20, 30 years, but especially during the Biden administration, is that we are weaker now than we have ever been. You do not lumber into a massive conflict or two or three conflicts simultaneously when you're at your low point. What you do, Laura, is you smartly rebuild, you elect a new president to replace the disaster that we have in the White House, and then you project American power 
power from there. These guys have got to remember, we do not have Donald Trump in the Oval Office. We have Joe Biden in the Oval Office. And that means that we have to be cautious about how we respond to this moment. Is we are going to do everything possible to hold those who are responsible for the attack on our forces. And not just that the attack that we saw on January 28th that resulted on, in the death of three of our service members, but the over 100 attacks that we've seen against our forces. We're going to hold those people accountable, but we're going to do so at a time and place of our choosing. And I'm certainly not going to forecast that here today. Pretty intense, you know. Uh, seen this and, and uh, read about it. I'd rather tell you about it. The better part of my 57 years, I'd actually be here and touch it and be a part of all it. Somewhere between surreal and amazing. I wish my dad was here. My son will be here tomorrow, which would be great. But this is an unbelievable experience. If you love Israel before, once you touch the wall, whole new, whole new love. Never surrender. That is the Israeli way, ladies and gentlemen. Never surrender. What a mess. My God. I'm listening to the open put together in brilliant fashion, I must say, by Rich Rodabelli back in New York because Justin is here with me. And uh, every story's a mess. The mayor seemingly has no power. The city council says 42 to 9, we're going to do this. And that's just the way it's going to be. So Mayor Adams' veto, nah, we're going to override it. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, it's a mess. Even Democrats like Joy Reid, that racist at MSNBC, caught on a hot mic saying this effing Biden is about to start another war. And oh, is she right? Oh, man, is she right? Then you got the border issue, Mayorkas. You're damn right they should impeach Mayorkas. In fact, they should arrest Mayorkas. I have never, never in my life, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 years old in April, seen a better example 
outside of maybe this current president, seen a better example of derelict of duty than this cabinet member, Mayorkas. What he's done down at the border, which is nothing, is a crime. It is an absolute crime. So congratulations to House Republicans. And how funny is it to hear these Democrats complaining that Republicans are weaponizing the DOJ? Hi, Kettle. I'm Pot. Are you serious? These assholes who spent the better part of the last eight years impeaching Donald Trump every step of the way are complaining that Republicans may be using impeachment as a political tool? Really? That's like O.J. Simpson looking at Robert Blake and calling him a murderer. Are you nuts? It's a mess. And then here we're in Israel where there's a real war going on, a real war. To the south of us, we're going on Friday. It started October the 7th. It's still going on. In fact, just yesterday, we did a tour. We did tours uh, the last two days. We'll get to today's tour coming up. But yesterday, we did a tour to Gush Etzion. We talked about this. Curtis Lewa knows our place very, very well. And we find out this morning, after Gush Etzion, uh, uh, Justin and I came back to work, but my family stayed there. They went to, uh, what is the name of that place, uh, 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 Etzion, Kafar Etzion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we find out this morning from Yehuda Hanikman that a soldier, an Israeli soldier, was killed in Gaza yesterday, and he's from that exact place where Danielle, Ava, and Gabe had lunch just yesterday. A lot of the soldiers actually come from that area, Judea and Samaria. So... Long story short, there's a war going on in the South, and these people get up every day, and they go to work, and they go shopping, and they party, and they smile. They're the nicest people in the world. And there's a legitimate war, and it's bad going on in the South, and they're preparing for an even much worse war about to come your way as a sports guy would say, which is not really analogous, but about to start in the north. But you wouldn't know it. You know, uh, yesterday I was invited to go on John's show, John Katzmatidis, his great show, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon, Katz and Cosby, John Katzmatidis and Rita Cosby. So they start at 5 p.m. back in New York. Well, if you folks that haven't been listening, we are seven hours ahead in Jerusalem. So 5 o'clock back in New York is midnight here in Jerusalem, and my family is sleeping. We get up very early in the morning. I was in the gym in Jerusalem before 7 o'clock today. We did a three-and-a-half-hour tour. Yesterday, a four-hour tour, then a four-hour radio show. Yesterday, Brian Kilmeade after my show. Today, I'm doing a story with JNS after my show. Then we go for dinner. These are long days. So by midnight, we're not up. We're dead. But I still... Wanted to do John's show so badly that I set my alarm and I went downstairs to the hotel lobby about 11.30 local time last night to hop on with John and Rita. And John asked every question, every question that I think people outside of this area want to know. I thought he did an amazing, an amazing job. So if you missed it, let's listen back to some of the conversation I had with John and Rita 
Katz and Cosby yesterday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And it starts with Rita asking me about Israel. Lewis, play cut number 24. You are right there in Israel. You're joining us from Jerusalem. Give us a sense of what it is like there. Well, it's been amazing, you know. And um, if you've listened the last couple of days, I've thanked John and Margo a thousand times, not because I'm, I'm looking to patronize them and Chad, but because giving me this opportunity as a nice Jewish kid from Brooklyn who's been to not one but two yeshivas, including Solomon Schechter High School way back when, I never got here. You know, we came close, Rita and John, two years ago when my son Gabriel got bar mitzvah. By the way, John, you and Margo were there for that. Thank you so much. But we never got here. My dad, who I talk about all the time, who I love and miss desperately, he never got here. So to be here, to be praying at the Western Wall, the Welling Wall on Monday, saying a prayer for my father, John, Margo, all of you at WABC, Rita, just an unbelievable experience. And, of course, in and around all this is the tension that exists because of a real war going on south of me and maybe, unfortunately, in the not-too-distant future, north of me. So that's kind of the setup. And then uh, John jumped in and he said, hey, Sid, what is security like in Jerusalem today, this being my third show in Jerusalem, three and a half days here in Jerusalem. Here was my response, Lewis. Cut number 25. Let me tell you, Sid, uh, did you hear any rockets going off? Did you hear any uh, bullets going off? Give me the level of security and the average people walking around Jerusalem, because I've been in Jerusalem. How do the people walking around Jerusalem feel? What is it like? Well, that's a great question, John. And the truth is, no. Uh, The closest we've gotten to rockets here was late in yesterday's show uh, in Tel Aviv, which is about 50 minutes from here. In fact, when you land in Israel, you land in Tel Aviv. 50-minute drive to the hotel in Jerusalem. They did have air raid sirens, and they were firing rockets at Tel Aviv. There's no rockets that have been fired here, John, in Jerusalem for about six weeks now. But uh, could it happen? Sure it could. In terms of the people, uh, John, let me tell you, these are amazing people. You know, lots of people in New York carry guns. Not all of them know what they're doing. The difference here is every kid, male and female, male and female, must serve in the Army. So when you run into a teenager on the street or somebody in their mid-20s, they're carrying guns, and they know how to use them because they've served in the Army. So, look, John. To your point, there is tension. Uh, the folks are still worried. We spent time this morning in Gush Etzion, which is just outside of uh, Bethlehem and just outside of Ephrat. It's about 30 minutes from here, my hotel in Jerusalem. And they get attacked almost every day. People throwing rocks, home invasions, arson fires. So all over the country of Israel, there are attacks. Since we've been here, four attacks, one in Haifa, two in Tel Aviv. Happening every single day, not to the extent, John and Rita, of what we saw down south, obviously back on October the 7th, or what we may see coming up in the north. But there is a lot of tension. There are servicemen all over this city walking around with big guns. I mean, big guns, which makes you feel safe. At the same time, it's kind of intimidating. But I will say this, and I mean this, I don't feel any less safe here, John and Rita, than the two train at about 5 o'clock in the morning. And that is not hyperbole. That is the absolute truth. Uh, one more from uh, John Katzmatidis. He, he asked, you know, are Israelis 
afraid? Are they doing their daily stuff like we did here today? Uh, uh, Justin and I going to work right here in the center of Jerusalem. This would be the last cut from Katz and Cosby. Cut number 26 on are Israelis afraid or is it business as usual? Uh, is everybody going to work every day? Is business is as usual in Jerusalem, uh, uh, or are there higher tensions? Everybody goes to work every day, but another really good question. So when I walked to the Western Wall, John, a couple of days ago, we walked through something called the Arab Quarters, or the Muslim Shops. And these are, um, these are shops that are open basically 24-7, that sell trinkets, that sell memorabilia, all those things. They are completely shut down because Jewish people uh, in this town are no longer spending money at these Arab shops. And gotcha. don't forget, this happened October the 7th. They couldn't afford to stay open. So those Arab shops on the walk to the Western Wall, they are closed down. It looks like, John, the Upper West Side, rent sales everywhere. So wow. uh, but Jewish people, they got up every day. They go to work. And I'll, and I'll say this. They say the same thing to me in the street. It's anecdotal, but I've talked to a lot of people, women, children, adults. They are not afraid. They are not afraid. They don't like it. They don't want war. They're very anxious about what could happen up in the north between Hezbollah, Lebanon, and the new attacks. But uh, they are not afraid. They go to work. They go out at night. They party. They dance. My hotel is right down the block for a bunch of very, very active restaurants and nightclubs. And people are having a great time. And it's business as usual. Israelis are not afraid. All right, so there you have it. That was a, a really, really good interview conducted by John Katzenmachidis and Rita Katzen-Cosby yesterday afternoon. I enjoyed that immensely. And I think you kind of get the taste of, uh, of what's going on, which is all these uh, stories emanating from New York, especially the big one with Mayor Adams and the city council and this, you know, this uh, the STOP Act is um, is pretty trivial when you consider what these people are experiencing every day in Israel. Yet, yet they find a way. They find a way to smile and laugh. Look, guys, I am a very patriotic guy. You know, I find myself time and time again on this show saying really nice things about Chad Lopez. Do I love Chad? Yes. Was he the guy that brought me back from New York eight years ago Sunday? Yes, he was the guy. He was here before John and Margo. It was Chad Lopez. But he also served in this country, served in the Navy. And I've got the utmost respect for anybody who does that. This whole country serves. Everybody serves. So you can imagine what these people are like. You talk about, I talked about this a couple of days ago, driving through Bell Harbor, my neighborhood, seeing American flags outside the homes. Peter King often talks about, and he's right, Long Beach, Atlantic Beach, Nassau County, American flags. But then you'll go neighborhood after neighborhood with no flags. Not here. Here the Israeli flag is not in the Arab neighborhoods, obviously. No Hamas flags, by the way. No pro-Palestinian flags. Just no Israeli flags. But every Jewish community has an abundance of Israeli flags all over this country. You talk about patriotism, they take it to a brand new level here in Israel. It's really, it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. I got to tell you, my son Gabriel, he ain't easy. You know, he likes his video games, he loves his bedroom, likes his video games, likes his basketball, loves his Knicks, loves his two or three buddies and queens, doesn't like to go out all that much. He is loving this country. 
He actually told me yesterday, Daddy, if I learn Hebrew, what do you think about me moving here? And I said, no, of course not. No, you can't move here. I love Israel. I'm a proud Jew. You are not moving 6,000 miles away from me. It's bad enough your sister is in Europe. I can't have one kid in Europe and one kid in Israel. Ain't going to happen. You know, if you, if you really love it, we'll go back a couple times a year. But you're not moving here. And then he walked away from me and said to his mother, Mom, I think I'm moving to Israel. <laughs> All right, we've got a huge, huge show about to come your way today. Great guests all morning long, starting with Dove Hikend. He'll be on this hour. Next hour, Curtis Sliwa and a young man serving in the IDF. In fact, he was going to come inside the studios this morning, but he got a call late last night. Time to serve again. So he's going to call us, Arky Stamen, 8 o'clock hour, both Woody Giuliani and Peter King. Judge Janine in the 9 o'clock hour, plus the burner guys. So we got a monster show coming your way. The number, as always, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. From one listener to me early this morning, Howard who? I'll tell you what he meant when we come back on Sitting Friends in the Morning, day three out of four, live from Jerusalem. Accident. Trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC.
Classic R.E.M. Fall on Me. Locally 129 here in Jerusalem. 629 back in New York City. I did that show yesterday. And Margot sent me such a nice text. And I love her. You know, I love Margot Katchma TVs. I was very, very sweet. So this morning, before we start bringing in all these great guests, mostly from New York today, this, uh, this morning we did our second consecutive day of tours. So uh, I got to the gym early. I guess Justin got some sleep. And we all met in the lobby of the hotel at about 8.45 local time this morning, which is 1.45 a.m. back in New York. And uh, there was a, a man by the name of Daniel who led this tour. This is a tour group that is really led by Dove and his wife, Shani Hyken. And they do a lot of work with this group. But what they do is unbelievable. They buy Arab land here in Israel and uh, sell it back to the Jews. So they're, they're removing the Arabs because uh, despite what people may tell you in New York, everybody lives together, blah, blah, blah. No, they hate the Arabs. They hate them. Even the ones that are nice, they go, yeah, but you can't trust them. So, Noam, you're wrong about that. Anyway, uh, they hate them. So they, they buy the land or the uh, property, I should say, the properties, and they put Jews in, in what is otherwise Arab neighborhoods. So this morning we went through one of those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, um, let's just say <laughs> yeah, well. that I get out of the cab wearing my, my sweatshirt today, yeah. and on the front of my sweatshirt is a flag which is half United States and half Israel. Yeah. And I'm yelling and screaming about something. I don't even know. I've got Tourette's, you know. <laughs> and some Arab guy walks over, tells me to shut the F up right in front of Gabriel. And then after that, two or three other people had something to say. And I was getting these really nasty, dirty looks because clearly I'm a Jew. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing the shirt with the, with the Israeli flag. And uh, these Arabs don't like us. And for some reason, I drew their ire more than the rest of our party. I didn't care. I didn't flinch. No. I didn't look back. I couldn't care less. But my daughter, for example, my daughter Ava, she started to cry. She was really, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she was shaking, really anxious yeah. and shaking. But there was, I mean, there was even a moment where our, our leader Daniel, who uh, handled this really well, but he was approached by an American, uh, middle, you know. Probably in his thirties, I would say. Twenties. Guy was wearing a yeah. New York Met baseball cap. A New York cap. Met baseball cap, and he started following him down the street, saying, "Shame on you! Shame yeah. on you! Shame yeah. on what you do! Shame on your organization!" I had no idea how that kid even knew what he does. Yeah, and he this Is kid he famous? I guess, I, I guess, but this kid was yeah. was a Jew. I heard him saying, "I'm a proud Jew," but what you do is shameful. Ba 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 ba. And he couldn't, he really couldn't muster up any other argument other than "Shame on you." That's all is, he said. He said about empty. ten times. Yeah, but that's like the liberals in New York. I mean, mm-hmm. here's a guy that works with the Hikins and, again, is buying up these properties and selling them back to the Jews because the Jordanians and the Arabs took it away from us. We won the war. We kicked their ass, in fact, and they still took the land yeah. and the property. Yeah. So we're taking it back. And here's a Jewish kid wearing a Met hat. He reminds me of the liberals in New York. What team are you on? Mm-hmm. What side are you on? I can't stand those people, and I couldn't stand this guy today. Yeah, and also the organization is for it works for everybody. So the Arabs that sell them the properties because they're selling to Jews, they could be killed. Killed. So no, they, that, 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 that could be killed. The decree is they will to be kill them. right. They will be killed. Right. So the organization 
takes these Arabs and they send them overseas. And they basically yeah, save like their the lives. Protection program. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They get a couple of million dollars and get the hell out of here <laughs> yeah. because they're going to kill them. Right. They're going to kill them. Right. It's a wild, wild three-hour tour. Mm-hmm. Not Gilligan's Island. No. That was also a three-hour tour. <laughs> they never left. Yeah. But it was, a, um, it was an eye-opener. We saw all these really historical parts of Jerusalem uh, from the temples to uh, parts, again, of Jerusalem that are completely run by the Arabs to parts where the Jews and the Arabs live together. But let me grab uh, Noam for one second. You know, I know your dad lives here. You've been here, Noam, so you kind of know the territory. But if you haven't been here and you listen to people talk about it, you hear about almost this harmonious existence. Jews live with everybody. Very anecdotal, just me. But I've been all over, all over the last couple of days. The Jews hate the Arabs. They don't like them. They even say about the ones they like, but you never know. You just can't trust them. So the narrative that I've been told in New York, including from you, is just not true. (laughs) It's not true. I don't know that I gave you that narrative, but... I, I will tell you that I can just tell you from my own family's experience that has not been their experience and that they live, you know, among Arab villages in the north. And for the most part, it's not always peaceful, but for the most part, it's peaceful. In my no, no, no. I'm not saying they don't live with Arabs. Right. I'm not saying it's not peaceful. Right. But if you ask your family, be honest, even the ones that have been nice to you, do you believe they are capable one day of going October the 7th? They're going to tell you yes. They yeah. don't trust you, them. You'd have to ask them. I just know that. You know, they have close family friends that are Arabs in Haifa that own a grocery store. My father is routinely invited to weddings of Arab workers that he works with. That is cosmetic company. And so he might give you a different view. Well, well, let me just remind you that a a lot of the folks, these animals that carried out those attacks on October the 7th, worked in these Jewish people's homes, like your father's experience. A lot of them actually would sit down, have Shabbos dinner with some of these people, and they came back and raped their daughters and threw their babies live into ovens. So the fact that they've had interactions in the past that seem somewhat friendly doesn't mean that somewhere down the road they can't turn on you. That, I believe, is the overwhelming sense from Israelis that live here. Uh, that may be true. You know, you have to talk to my family and ask them what they think. I've never really discussed it in detail. I just know from what he tells me routinely his interactions on a daily basis. All right. Give me uh, talk about interactions on a daily basis. Cops interactions with people. Yeah. Adrian Adams is not supposed to beat Eric Adams. No relation. Adrian Adams is not supposed to beat Eric Adams, but she did. What's the story there? Yeah, this is a rebuke unlike any we've seen. You have to go back to the Dinkins administration for the last time that a Democratic city council overruled a Democratic mayor. That's how long it's been. And this one is all about this legislation that's now going to require officers to record the race, gender, and ages of all the people they stop, even in really low-level encounters where police are just asking from information and the person isn't suspected of a crime. But they're going to have to record all of well, let me, let me ask you this. What is what is the? I, I know this all goes back to that scumbag Youssef Salam, right. who was uh, part of the Central Park Five, that all of a sudden now is a great man and he won a council seat, which is nauseating. 
But uh, what exactly are they trying to accomplish by asking these people all those questions? It, some of it is just all about, they say, it's transparency. So all these interactions, every one of them, will be posted on a website so the public can go look at it. Some of it stems from the days of the stop and frisk era, where members of certain communities said that they were being stopped more often than whites, blacks, and Hispanics. And so they say this is all part of the outgrowth of that, that this legislation even gives more transparency to what the cops are up to. Of course, the mayor completely disagrees. The police union disagrees. There's members of the city council say this is crazy. It'll lead to overtime. Uh, the officers will be worried, more worried about filling out paperwork than doing what they're supposed to be doing on the job. Not even close. The vote once again, 42 to 9 to override the mayor's veto. Let me get to the uh, story coming out of the House. They're looking to impeach Mayorkas. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, outside of Biden and Harris, no better example of a, dele- a dereliction of duty than Mayorkas, who should be put in prison. <laughs> forget about Hillary Clinton. Forget about impeachment. He should go directly to jail. Do not get $200. Do not go back to go the whole monopoly thing. But uh, it looks like the House is serious about that. What's next? Yes. Yeah, so, well, what's next with all these impeachment hearings? They usually don't go a whole lot anywhere, but it's bad news for Alejandro Mayorkas. I mean, they're basically saying that he has handled this crisis at the border in a way that they've never seen somebody handle it, that he's done such a poor job. Uh, you had New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik was one of the people leading the charge. So if it happens... Well, by the way, I love her. I love Elise Stefanik. She's leading the charge against Mayorkas. She was the one that folks have forgotten who grilled all three presidents at those Ivy League universities. Two of those ladies had to step down. They're still making a million dollars a year, which is disturbing, but they had to step down. And I know that she's got maybe the inside track to be Donald Trump's running mate as his vice president. I love her a lot. Yeah, always a possibility. She led the charge, or one of the people leading the charge yesterday, anyway, in Congress. So really unusual to impeach a cabinet secretary. In fact, you have to go back almost 150 years to the last time that happened. One more story being, uh, take it back to Israel. A couple days ago, the uh, IDF did something that really they've been doing for a very, very long time. And it's one of the reasons why we've been praising Israeli intelligence forever. And one of the reasons why October 7th is still so shocking and why Netanyahu will eventually lose his job. Because we're not used to Israel getting outsmarted or outgunned by everybody else. And the truth is, they were. But here they do this unbelievable operation where they have their IDF soldiers dressed as doctors. They got a guy who's a patient in a wheelchair. And they go in and they thwart a terrorist attack by killing the bad guys. And as you would know it, you could predict this. Now they're in trouble because supposedly they may have violated international law in the West Bank. What is the nonsense with this? This is the type of story which shows you how anti-Semitism is rampant. What did they do wrong? They killed terrorists. Yeah, well, they were going in for this Hamas commander. They did what they needed to do. And do you have you ever? Well, now what? Now that you've gone to Israel, you have to come back and watch this Netflix series that's out of Israel called Falda. Have you ever watched Falda? It's an excellent series. Uh, I mean, it's okay. in uh, the subtitles. But it's an excellent yeah, series. Yeah, you can get actually in English with, you know, they dub it in English if you don't want to watch it. But this was out of Falda, this operation of the West Bank. I mean, it was unbelievable. You had people dressed as doctors, dressed as women, pulling off this operation in the West Bank. Look, ultimately, the Israelis don't care what the rest of the world says. I mean, they do, but ultimately they know they're always going to slam back hard. And, of course, especially after October 7th, they're not going to pay attention to what the U.N. body or the world body says. 
then they shouldn't. Uh, excellent job there, Norm Layton, as always. Excellent work. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Live from Israel. 77 WABC. Something happened to the lead singer of this group. It's either a birthday or a happy, heavenly birthday. Lou Rapino wants a story. He's been dead for seven years now. The oh, seven years. John Wetton. John Wetton. Right, you heard that uh, really nice message from Heshi Organbaum that was doing the commercial break and uh, saying all these beautiful things about me. And I got a great message from one of our listeners, I guess overnight or early this morning. His name is Chris McGlynn. He's out of Bethpage, uh, Bethpage, Long Island. He says, never want to hear, Sid, never want to hear you say that Howard Stern is the greatest radio personality of all time. He can't even leave his basement, and you're broadcasting from the cradle of civilization with potential danger all around you. Stay safe, and God bless all you do. You are the GOAT. I'm not sure that's true, but I will tell you that one of the major reasons I am here, we are here, one of the people, I should say, that got us here is the former amazing Brooklyn Assemblyman, the better part of four decades in Borough Park. I believe the voice of the Jewish people, I call him the king of all Jews, my dear friend Dove Hyken. This idea was born on a day where I went to his shul in, uh, in Woodmere in New York in the five towns, had lunch at his rabbi's house, the great Rabbi Bloomstein, his wife Mimi, that we had the last couple of days with us. The idea was born. And with the help of Yehuda Hanekman, the idea happened. But it would not have happened without Dove Hyken's influence in my life. So with that said, here he is, my dear friend, Dove Hyken. Dove, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, I, I'm amazing listening to you uh, uh, daily and the places you're going and the things you're feeling in your heart and soul. Uh, you know, I say this uh, with such respect towards you, uh, uh, you you are the star. You are. I said this to you many, many times. It's about leadership. It's about being an example to other people. It's one thing to talk the talk. It's another thing to 
actually get off your you-know-what and actually do what needs to be done. And you're there. You're watching. It's it's totally different now. Uh, The story that you can tell is totally different than what you could tell before because you're on the ground. You're meeting the people of Israel. You're seeing the kind of things that the people of Israel need to live with, uh, not just since October 7th, always. There's always the threat from neighbors, people who want to destroy. They want to destroy the Jewish people. And, you know, you're watching it and you're seeing it. And I, I you know, we all literally love you for oh, who you oh. are and what you are and the way you express yourself. You are a proud American. Everybody knows that. But you are also very important, a very proud Jew. I see it in your face. I see your heart. I mean, I, you know, listening to you, I, I see your heart, even all the way here, thousands of miles away, who you are and what you're all about. So, you know, listen, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. And, you, you know, you talk about your father all the time. You did it at the shul here. Uh, I, I, we can all tell the kind of powerful influence uh, your father was on you. You know, uh, I've I got to tell you, your father lives, believe me. He's watching you. He's, he's, he's having nachas, he's shepping nachas, you know, uh, watching his son in the land of Israel. I mean, watching you at the Western Wall. What, a, what an opportunity at this. You know, all I could do was think, uh, you know, since you announced that you were going, saying, I can't wait for Sid to get off the plane, to finally be in the land of Israel with all that history. History of not just the Jewish people, but the history of the world. That's where, that's where it all starts. Period. So you know, what can I tell you? God bless you. Well, thank you. That's uh, very, very sweet. I don't deserve half the things you said, but I'll take it anyway, though. Thank you. And um, yeah, I went to the Western Wall on Monday and made a prayer for my father. It was very, very emotional. And uh, this morning, I went back to the Western Wall. And I was there with my son, Gabriel, three generations of Rosenbergs. And I was there with a guy that you know very, very well. But before I get to that, the tour I was on this morning, I do want to mention something about people coming here. Here you just gave me all this credit for coming here. I, I appreciate it. But I have to tell you, I'm so happy I did. It is different. You know, all the things I thought were true back in New York, some still are, some just aren't. And to see how these people live on a daily basis with the courage. There's no sense of entitlement here. You know, American kids are gross. They just are. And adults as well. The sense of entitlement is, is gross. And here, these kids, they go to school, they go to work, they carry guns. They're here to protect themselves, their loved ones, strangers like me. But less people are coming. And less people are coming because they're afraid. And when when people do that, Dove, they're playing right into the hands of the terrorists. If you can get here, if you've got the time, if you've got the money, if you got it in your heart to come to Israel, do not allow these animals to instill fear in your heart to keep you in New York. Get your ass here. That is my main message coming to Israel this week. Sid, you are 100% correct. When you're afraid, you let the enemy win. They win. They want you to be afraid. This is the time to go. If you, like you said it, you said it perfectly. I can't say it any better than that. Uh, you know, you can't just go to Israel when the sun is shining, when everything is just perfect. This is the time when it really counts. 
this is the time where up there, you know, God gives you points. It's now. You know, now when everything is perfect, that's easy. Now's the time. If you can come, come. It's safe, as you pointed out. Uh, you know, you know, things happen in different places. They happen in New York, for God's sake. Read the newspapers and in your local towns all over America. Bad things happen. The criminals are, are loose all over this country. They can commit crimes, and they don't have to worry about repercussions. Uh, you know, Israel walking the streets is rather safe. When you walk the streets of Jerusalem, you don't have to look over your back. I, I mean, I, that's my experience, having been there, you know, four times just in the last six months. So, uh, you know, that's why you set the example. That's what's, that, that's what I'm talking about. You set the example. You said, I'm going. Yeah, you know, uh, you know there are explosions in Tel Aviv. Uh, the sirens go off. I know what that's like when you have to run for cover sometimes. But you can't be afraid. You can be careful, but not afraid. So, you know, you set the example, and people out there, Jew and non-Jew alike, go and visit it you'll have a great experience and yes, yes. especially now Sid especially now no I agree my son wants to move here you know it's funny you said when you're in Jerusalem you don't have to look behind you and I am going to disagree <laughs> because there are a couple of areas in this town I was in the I was there Monday on the way to the western wall I was back there again today with your friend Daniel the great Daniel and the great group Ataret Koanim and when you walk through those Muslim quarters, those Arab shops on the way to the Western Wall, and one guy was blowing kisses at my daughter Ava, one guy actually told me to shut the F up, uh, one guy started to follow us for a couple of feet. That was the one place. When you're in these Arab communities, and I'm wearing an Israeli flag on my shirt today, I did look back once or twice. I'm not afraid. I'm actually begging for one of these guys to start with me. I'll lay him out right in the street, assuming they don't have a weapon. But there are some places where you you got to be a little careful, and you can't be looking down at your phone, if you know what I mean. No, I uh, listen. Uh, I walk through uh, what's called the Arab Shook all the time. There are other ways to get to the Western Wall, but I make it my business to go through the Arab Shook when the stores are open. I don't have any problem. Uh, I walk, but yeah, you're right. You got to keep your eyes open. Hey, you got to keep your eyes open in New York. That's yeah, true. I mean, come on, you got to keep your eyes open. You go into Manhattan. I go into Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan. I'm keeping my eyes open. But you're right. I mean, especially in an area like that, uh, you know, you're a little more careful. But you walk the streets. You're not afraid. No. And Terry Kohan of Jerusalem Reclamation Project, Daniel Lurier. I mean, they are unbelievable. I mean, the basic philosophy of this organization that my wife has spent 32 years. Uh, you know, working for, not work, I mean, has put her life into it. It's basically the idea that Jews have a right to live anywhere. There's no such thing as Judenrein. You can't live here because, you know, because the, because the, the Arabs are not going to like that. They're going to get angry, you know, and so on. So Atara Gohanim is about Jews living in the Muslim quarter, living in the Armenian quarter, living outside the old city. And these Jews, these brave Jews that you met today, these young families, mothers and fathers and children, they live there with such pride. They really, they're the heroes of the Jewish people. They really are. You know, they, they serve in the army. They're proud to be Israelis and to be Jews. Uh, they walk, they live there. You know, we yeah. walk through those streets they live. They live there. The street. No, I know. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Daniel uh, took us around, and Mati Don actually showed up too. We talked a lot about your beautiful wife Shani, and 
And one of the spots that is really interesting is uh, one part of that of the of the old city was um, when Arafat lived there. You know, when he had the House of Parliament, the Palestinian Parliament was there as well. And, of course, that's now empty and gone, and the, the Hamas flags are gone. But when Arafat well, really wanted to take over all of Israel and was offered quite a bit of it and said, that's not enough, I want more. And to see now a lot of those places, like you said, have Jewish residents is an amazing job. The, the group that you're talking about, Atiret Kohanim, they do amazing work, miracle workers. We need more of that. And by the way, Sid, these Jews are really returning to where they lived. Jews who lived in the old city of Jerusalem uh, were kicked out by the British in 1948. You know, people don't know the history. They were kicked out. The British said, we can't protect you. You've got to leave. You'll come back later on. Of course, they never came back. Only in 1967, between 48 and 67, a Jew... You, if you, if you know, if this was 1948 to 67, you would not have been able to go to the Western Wall, the holiest site of the Jewish people. Okay? So in 1967, it was liberated. Jerusalem was liberated. Not because Israel went to war. You know, I lived through that. I remember those days when, when Jordan, Syria, Egypt, all went to war with Israel for the purpose of pushing the Jews into the sea. You know, sorry, we were successful. We defended ourselves. And now Jews are returning to places where Jews lived for two, you know, thousands of years. And, you know, I, again, I got to give you credit. You went to these places. You saw these places. You know what it's all about. Again, like I said, a lot of these people in the streets all over this country who are supporting Hamas, they have no freaking oh, clue. Oh, no idea. No, they no are idea. idiots. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they are idiots. I tell you, one of the things that I was um, so happy to see right after October the 7th when you came back to Israel right away because you are a tough guy, Dove, a real tough guy, was uh, you and Yehuda and others would put on these massive barbecues. And I said to Yehuda Hanukman, I said, one of these days, if I get to Israel, I must, I must go to these barbecues where on these nights you guys will cook for upwards of 150 IDF soldiers. Well, guess what? Coming up later on tonight, and for anybody, I should say this, who wants to sponsor a barbecue, they can do it at bbqforoursoldiers.com, bbqforoursoldiers.com. They expect anywhere from 100 to 150 IDF soldiers tonight from me, Danielle, Ava, Gabe, and Justin. Hamburgers with the soldiers. How about that, Dove? Uh, Sid, not just hamburgers. It's got to be steak as well. Steak, yes. M- make, sure, <laughs> make sure you tell Hanukkah steak. Look, uh, I was there one week, three barbecues uh, that I was involved in. But guess who was responsible? Guess who actually made it possible? This is a fact. A guy by the name of Sid Rosenberg from ABC Radio. That's a fact. You, you made it possible through, I don't want to go into the details, but through funding that you made available. And let me tell you what it is like to be in the area in the south where these soldiers are coming back from the front lines. And the, day, the night that I was there, it was pouring. And I was opening pita breads, putting steak and chicken for these. Can you imagine what that was like for me? Standing there putting uh, each soldier. Well, what would you like? Oh, chicken, steak. I filled up the pizza for soldier after soldier. 
it will be an amazing experience yeah. tonight for you and your family. And you made tonight you're going to one. I was there. You made three possible in one single week, and that is. I, I tell you, can you imagine eating army food compared to eating <laughs> yeah. this amazing food that you guys are going to serve tonight? No, these kids are very excited. In fact, uh, talking about the South, we are going down South on Friday morning. We will see the Nova Music Festival. We're hoping with some permits to check out the kibbutzim. We'll be outside at the very least, so we'll get a real taste of the horror that took place on October the 7th. But tonight will be fun. On the way out, my friend, you know... That um, And I think it's silly, I really do, that all you really amazing, courageous people say nice things about me. I really do. But the Fifth Avenue Synagogue is about to honor me coming up next Saturday, the night before the Super Bowl, February the 10th. They're giving me the very coveted Guardian of Israel Award. And I've been told, because I recommended it, not only are you going to be there, but you're going to speak that night. How about that, Dove Hyken? I cannot wait. Uh, you know, the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, which, by the way, ha- has memories for me, because Shani and I got married there 48 years ago. And Is we have that right? 48 years ago, and we haven't been back. So it's going to be an amazing night for Shani and myself. But more important than that is people recognizing you, people all over recognizing you, for what you, what I'm talking about, it's about leadership, Sid. It's not about being a follower. You know, oh, they're going, I'm going to go. No, I am going. I am leading the charge. And you have been doing that since October 7th. So we love you. People who want to be part of October 10th, uh, you know, I, I don't have the information in front of me, but you can get that information and be part of it. It's gonna, they have a, a a wonderful performances that night, a comedian, singers, you name it. But but most important, the superstar that evening <laughs> to be recognized for the leadership that you have demonstrated during one of the most difficult times for the Jewish people, uh, Sid, you are the star that night. And I, I cannot wait because we cannot say enough about you. It isn't it isn't just about you, Sid. It's about you setting an example to others, that other people can be Sid Rosenberg and lead the charge for their communities, for their cities, for their towns, for their villages, and that is to stand up, not be afraid. You are not afraid. I've watched you in the streets, by the way. You, you, I've watched you protect me in the streets of New York when people were coming after me. You were there. To protect yeah. me. I'll never forget that. Sure. So God yeah. bless you. And I cannot wait to uh, uh, February the 10th, Saturday night at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue. Dove Hyken, I love you so much. Really, thank you for all the kind words again. I don't think I deserve all of that. And uh, all this was made possible because of my friendship with you. Uh, I've become very good friends, too, with your dear friend, the rabbi, Rabbi Heshi and uh, Mimi, who were here the last couple of days in Israel. We want to get back to that shul again, once again, daven with you, do an aliyah with you, do the kadush with you, and go back, maybe have dinner that night, whatever it is. It's just been for as horrible, horrible and terrifying as the last couple of months have been. It's also been pretty special. And like we saw for about two weeks, only two weeks, not four and a half months, after 9-11 when New Yorkers came together, uh, when a people are strong after a major tragedy, you see their real strength. And for Dove Hyken and Sid Rosenberg, that has certainly been the case. Dove, I love you so much. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the trip. Give my love to the family and uh, safe travels uh, coming back. Can't wait to see you.
You too. Thank you. There he is, the great Dolph Hyken, an amazing assemblyman for the better part of four decades in Borough Park, Brooklyn. And now, as I like to call him, he's the king of all Jews. That wraps up hour number one. Big hour number two about to come your way. We're going to hear from Curtis Sliwa, the main man, the great Curtis Sliwa, and an IDF soldier who's just been called back to service. Hour two, live from Jerusalem, about to come your way. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. 